Hey, Scott. What's up, man? Happy Thanksgiving. You too, man. I saw I posted about Thanksgiving. I'm, 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 I posted a, a video or a photo, a photo of the no video of the traffic. I don't know if you saw a tweet. Yeah, on the 405, and uh, that's just like a that's just like 8 p.m. on a Tuesday in LA any day. So it doesn't matter. It and I asked you guys, I asked you guys, I asked you guys the, if it's really all worth it. I, I had no idea. I knew Thanksgiving is big. I'm not a Christmas guy. I'm not any any holiday. I'm not even New Year's guy, but. I, asked, I was asked talking to someone, yeah. one of my team members in the States, uh, when we did the tweet. I'm like, you know, is Thanksgiving bigger than Christmas? He said, yes. Is it really that big? Well, to some, I don't think it's bigger than Christmas, but it's an agnostic holiday for all Americans as opposed to being religious, right? So there's a huge uh, swath of people true. in the United States that don't right. celebrate Christmas, but they celebrate Thanksgiving. I should wait for Ryan to connect. Yeah. What's the market like now? I know we hit 38k. We 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 uh, can't retrace since then. When I checked in the morning, my morning. Yeah, I mean, it's like looking pretty strong. I think we had that one little dip around the Binance news the other day, and now I think trading at 37,900 ish. Like you said, tapped 38,000. So I would say uh, continued strength. I think the market is absorbing most of the quote unquote bad news and realizing maybe it's good news. But I mean, this is a low liquidity, low volume time. This is you know, peak peak holiday uh, nonsense. So uh, hard to read too much into it. I think at the moment. But it's great to see that uh, we're just hanging out here at thirty eight thousand. You know, we've talked about how important that level is multiple times. Mostly just because that's where Bitcoin was trading before the Luna collapse. So it sort of symbolically erases all of the contagion of last year by uh, starting to trade above that price. So would be really nice to see this push. I mean, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see a quick pop to 40,000 at this point. Pretty mm. pretty small. Before move. before we kick off the show, why is Ryan not connecting? Is he, is he does he have that turning little wheel for you? Yeah, he's or got he the on? spinning wheel. Uh, Karma oh, okay. doesn't, Kar- Karma has decided Rand shouldn't be on the show today. <laughs> yeah, I love Karma. Uh, just let me, let me give a quick shout out. Uh, I brought up Sandra. I know I always give shout outs to Hello Labs. Um, but Sandra, I just want to kind of bring you up quickly. We've talked about your show, The Killer Whales, which is like a Shark Tank show. Talk about the production quality. Me and Ran are on there. Um, uh, maybe Scott will be on there soon. But uh, um, when is it coming out, Sandra? Maybe a quick uh, update for the audience. Hey, good, good, good morning, good afternoon. Yeah, thanks, thanks for bringing me up, Mario. Cool, uh, cool to be here again. Um, yeah, we we working nonstop on the distribution and making sure that um, we have the biggest reach possible in the, in the in the space and 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 outside of that. So uh, happy to announce that on February eighth, two thousand and twenty four, we'll be um, launching the show on the Hello TV platform. And really, really quickly after that, we're gonna go to a lot of major streamers. But um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely announce more on that in the coming weeks. Uh, so yeah, keep keep your eyes open and and ears to the ground. Oh, I also heard the news that Ryan is banned permanently from the show. Not sure if you guys told him yet. I haven't told him. Crazy, yeah, I heard that I, too. It's, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. What did he I do? I, 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 Wendy, I, Wendy, I heard Wendy. I heard Wendy. I heard Wendy got him banned. Wendy. <laughs> yeah, yeah Wendy same joke. <laughs> Wendy, Wendy got me banned. Yeah. She was the, um, well, well, she's the biggest influence in the world. Yeah, I think you left the mic on. Remember, Ryan, we talked about leaving your mic on <laughs> when, 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 when the recording started. Like, you did one of those. Yeah, it's, it's like when things. they thaw. It's like when they thaw uh, Austin Powers, and he doesn't know that his uh, inner monologue is coming out. You know, did I say that out loud? Uh, yeah. 
just like I don't know <laughs> if I remember. I don't know if you, if I if I did tell you the story about when I was shooting. I don't know if I told you on the st- on the day, but so I arrived in LA and I was me privately. Oh, yeah, I was, oh, the LA I one. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the other yeah. one. No, I arrived in LA and I was I was jet lagged as like hell. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but I arrived and I came straight to the studio and it's like jet lagged and whatever. And I discovered, you know, to the, they treated us like guards at the studio. We all had our own trailer. You could ask for whatever yes. you want to drink and whatever you want to eat and whatever. And then to gave me this fruit, which comes in a can. It was very nice fruit juice. And it tasted so good. So I drank like, probably drank like in three hours, 15 cans of this stuff. It really tasted good. Anyway, I was sitting on the, on the stage while they were filming and my heart was racing. I was sitting, I thought I was going to die. I didn't, want, I didn't want to stop the show because, you know, like it was a high, high cost production. So I didn't want to stop the show, but I couldn't even breathe. That's how bad it was. And then what I realized was I was drinking Celsius, thinking it's watermelon juice. Each can has 200 milligrams of caffeine, which means it's like two and a half Red Bulls in each can. And I drank like 15 of these on the first day and 15 of these on the second day, thinking that this is just apple juice or watermelon juice or whatever the hell it is. Meanwhile, 200 milligrams of caffeine in each and I was dying. I, I don't like tell you guys what was going on, but I couldn't even like, take a, I couldn't even take a breath. So I'm, I'm, I'm now very, very scared of Celsius. I, I want to warn anybody that if you, if you do drink Celsius drink, it, each can of Celsius is two and a half times the caffeine of Red Bull. Guys, also don't drink seven pots of coffee in one sitting. Um, don't drink 14 Red Bulls in one sitting and don't do, don't do meth. Also, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and now we know why. Ryan, I, I, my best, the best part of that story, though, Rand, is and you've told it before, and I literally like die laughing every single time. Is that you doubled down on day two? I didn't know. I, did, I only got, I got back to South Africa after thought, day two. Where can I? Yeah, found out. Well, Go yeah, I found out like after day two or day two. I was like, I did a, a check, and I mean, I, I literally phoned my wife the one night, and I said to her, uh, "If I feel like this tomorrow, I'm going to go to the hospital because I, I couldn't sleep. I got back to the hotel." trying to sleep, jet-lagged as hell, and my heart was beating like through the blankets, bro. It's just crazy. And I didn't really, I didn't realize that I drank like 3,000 milligrams of caffeine each day. That I swear, this, 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 this show, Scott, this show, me and Ryan were at our worst state. So I'm dealing with all the drama that I had to deal with. Ryan is dealing with caffeine overdose. And then Scaramucci was the most chill person you could meet. Just relax, walking around, making jokes, says like, two, three things in the entire show, but then everyone listens to him when he talks and goes back to the hotel, does gym, goes to sleep. And like, I'm freaking out dealing with all the drama. Rand is like a little crazy rabbit. Uh, but the show, I think, turned out well, um, except... Uh, I mean, this was, that was like con- consensus. We actually did a poll that that was the greatest week in Crypto Town Hall ever. I'm not going to say okay. it was because I, I, I hosted it straight by myself for five days, but that's just what I heard. It's, I'm, it's not me. <laughs> Uh, look, since um, you're so good, so, since you're so good, Scott, since you're so good, uh, over to you. Yeah, yeah tell us about the tell us <laughs> tell about, about the fish and the haircut. Yeah, please, please, tell tell us the strategy. Mario, mute yourself. Let him handle it. Please go ahead and start with the fish and the haircut. Can anyone give us the actual update on how many cans of mackerel were traded for that horrible haircut that uh, SBF had in trial? Because apparently he's equally as poor at trading in jail as he was uh, trading at Alameda. Because the story, which has become mainstream news, is that in jail he's trading uh, cans of fish uh, for haircuts. And uh, the haircut was terrible. That's the story, guys. Show's over. Thank you, Rand, for letting me host. 
The audience, the audience just dropped by 500 people. Just FYI, Scott. I know. I told you. Give me some and, metrics. And, you know, I'm not. I'm not the same guy I was when you guys were on Killer. <laughs> I mean, uh, let, let, let's just quickly talk about something a little bit more serious, not on the topic of crypto, Mario. I know you're quite close to it, but today isn't the the actual hostage release happening right now in in the Middle East? Yeah, it's literally happening as we speak. Um, hopefully, it ends up being a long-term truce, but it's a, a step in the right direction. Doesn't doesn't look like it's going to continue post the, the whatever three-day, four-day ceasefire, uh, but it is a, a positive step from a humanitarian perspective. And and I hope. What's uh, the deal? What's the you know deal? That, what, like what? What's what? How many soldiers? How many um, uh, prisoners are being returned? How many hostages are being returned? What, yeah, I don't, I don't know the details. I think it's a three-to-one ratio, I think. Uh, but I could tell you one funny story. There was, um, and, and I kind of made fun of it yesterday. Um, Israel is being criticized for, re- for, for, uh, for releasing too many hostages. And they're saying that Israel released too many hostages. Does that mean they don't value Palestinian lives the same way they value Israeli lives? It's the most ridiculous narrative that was there yesterday. Um, and then obviously uh, Israel responded like, hey, we'd love to release less hostages, but we didn't have any choice. But I think it was a three-to-one ratio. Um, and then it's a four-day ceasefire. A lot of aid will come in. Tanks. I didn't know that was part of the deal, but I saw tanks moving out of Gaza, which is a really good step. But you got the defense minister keeps saying that you know we'll be back. The war is not over. So we'll see if something changes in the next three, four days. Um, but it doesn't look like even if I don't Mario, know. It your mic look just like, went. Mario, your mic just went full RoboCop, buddy. Uh, is it still RoboCop? Yes. Yeah, it is. It sounds amazing. I mean, I, 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 I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I'll just say this. I'll, I'll just say this because matter, that matters for crypto. I just turned off the headphones. That matters for crypto. The concern when it comes from a macro perspective is whether this becomes a regional war. Um, the risk is obviously extremely low now because there's a ceasefire. But at the same time, yesterday and the day before, so the biggest escalation we've seen, and I've said this before, but it keeps getting bigger, on the on the Lebanese front. So uh, just take it as you wish. But on the on the Hezbollah front, and we've seen the worst clashes since the war started. Um, so hopefully that doesn't continue if the ceasefire does not last. And if the ceasefire lasts, uh, I can finally move on and, and stop covering the war. And uh, and def- hasn't Israel in the past traded a thousand hostages exactly. for one? Yeah, that's why that's why that whole narrative yesterday was pretty dumb. Like releasing too many. I'm like anything that reaches peace. But at the same time, there's another Israeli newspaper that put out, I think it's Israeli or, or Western one, put out another article saying this is a bad decision. There were two prime ministers, I think Spain and Portugal, I think it was, and they were saying that hopefully the ceasefire lasts and becomes a long-term peace deal, which is you know, a good thing to, 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 uh, to call for. All right, you want to eliminate Hamas, but try to do it in a different way. Um, and then uh, that newspaper puts out an article saying they've become Hamas members because they're advocating for peace. So I don't know, man. It's just... Uh, Bitcoin just put in a new high while we're talking about this. It just popped up 38,300 or so uh, from what I'm seeing here. I think that's the highest uh, uh, maybe, cycle high here. Then, then maybe yeah. pivot, pivot to that then. Um, I, didn't, I, thought we've, I thought we retraced from the 38K mark. So maybe yeah, it just power. popped up about four or five hundred bucks while we were talking. Can you, can you get uh, keep talking, keep talking. It's keep, talking yeah. keep doing can whatever we, you're we, doing. Yeah, Scott, can you do like a quick uh, technical analysis and maybe I'll, I'll uh, Ryan, you want to invite Gareth? I'll send him an invite as well. It'd be good to get some analysis yeah. of the new, uh, the new highs. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple at the moment. Uh, as I kind of alluded to before, this 38,000 to 40,000-ish 40, level that ran, and maybe you agree or don't, but I, I think this is just going to be the key level. It was a really obvious place for a price to somewhat be rejected for consolidation. Um, and, I, I don't you know, agree. Volume has, you don't. I don't okay, agree. Go ahead. And I'll, I'll tell you why I don't agree, because I think that – so the biggest overhang this well there's two there were two overhangs in the in this uh, bull market 
which was Binance and you could say Tether. And one of them was cleared this week. And for some reason, the market didn't respond. So like, like, I tweeted it the other day and I said, if I would have told you that 24 hours after the the the, the DOJ action against Binance, the price exactly where it was before the DOJ action against Binance, you would say to me, you're a crazy idiot. You, like, take me to your dealer and and give me whatever you're smoking. I think the I think that the market is starting to realize what's going on. I'm starting to see some like headlines. I'm starting to see some big people saying crypto is finally getting regulated. It's finally becoming a clean industry. Uh, you know, the, the US is is very serious now about cleaning crypto. And so I think that, I, I, like, I, you, you want to talk about short-term levels? Yes, maybe 38. Maybe. I think that we are about to go on such a crazy rampage. Oh, I, and I, think I, that- I don't disagree, just by the way. I was saying that was an obvious place for the, this first move that all the way up from 31 to have found some resistance. Uh, on, on the yeah, point you've so- made, Ryan, as well, Ryan, just to JP Morgan said the same thing that, that, that's on CoinDesk. The settlement will significantly reduce the potential systemic, systemic risk emanating from a hypothetical collapse of Binance. Um, so they say yeah, for the exactly wider market, the, the deal would see significant reduction of a potential systemic risk emanating from a hypothetical Binance collapse. Uh, it also reinforces an ongoing shift towards regulated crypto entities and instruments, which has been the objective of U.S. authorities post-FTX, which kind of leads to my question. I'll ask you that question, Ryan, and maybe kind of focus on the price more like what you'd expect to see. But uh, excluding the SEC, do you think regulators did the right thing, the government did the right thing when it comes to crypto? I think that the government had no choice. And I think that C had no choice. And I think they got into they got into a, a stalemate. And I think that, to be honest, I think that there are exchanges that are much more guilty than Binance was, but I don't think that they're big enough to matter. And so the SEC just hasn't gone after, or the DOJ hasn't gone after them. The DOJ needed to make a statement specifically ahead of the ETF, if we're going to get one, the DOJ needed to make a statement, and they did. They said, look, Sam Bankman-Fried jail, CZ is, is pleaded guilty, Binance is no longer a systemic risk to, to the industry. And now, now we can move on to the next stage, which is the institutionalization. And I was surprised that the market didn't respond very, very, very positively when we, when we found out how... What a small slap on the wrist this whole thing was for Binance, because that's exactly what it was. Just, it was literally a small slap on the wrist relative to what could have happened. You know, what could have happened is they could have somehow shut Binance down. I mean, if they wanted to, they probably could have done something like that. Um, and so I think that they gave them a, a small slap on the wrist. Uh, Binance continues to operate. It continues to operate under someone whose background is compliance. I mean, you could say it's part of the world economic with monitorship, with monitorship from the United States. It's the safest, safest. It would arguably the safest exchange on the planet after all of this. So that's the thing. So that's what the market's not this guy. How long does it last? How long does it last? Five years. The monitorship. Okay. I think five years or something. No, that's not right. Three years. I'm I'm not really one to usually take three years, but I'm actually leveraged long now because because for me this is like why the hell did the market not respond? Uh, why did the price not go up before? You know, I just want to give you some predictions for the end of the year. So we, we're running a poll uh, on banter, on banterbubbles.com. We're running a poll where you can win a full Bitcoin if you can correctly guess the price of Bitcoin. So go there. You, 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 you have to predict the price of Bitcoin. If yours is the closest price uh, of Bitcoin on you know, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 1, 1, uh, 2024, you win the Bitcoin. And there's a couple of terms and conditions you can go and read it at banterbubbles.com. Anyway, um, most the 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 guesses, there's also it also shows your distribution of how people are voting. And there's by now there's hundreds of thousands of votes because each 
each user gets five uh, chances to enter. Um, most of the, the, the predictions are around 42,000 to 42,500. Now, I'll tell you why I don't think that that can be the case. Because the end of the year or the beginning of the new year is 10 days away from the latest date that the ETF can happen. So you would imagine that by that point, either people, either the ETF is passed because, because the SEC want to go on vacation and, you know, it's New Year's and whatever else. It's family time. Or it's almost going to be passed or it has been declined. Those are the three outcomes here. If it's passed, I think we get the handle, And as I said before, I think we get to 50, 55, and 60. If it doesn't get passed, I think we're going back down to the 20s. Um, and so I think that next like month, we're going to get a whole lot of volatility in Bitcoin. Now, I suspect that the volatility is on the way to the up. It's, it's upside volatility because I think that there's a huge chance that the ETF gets approved. But I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't get approved and the market gets max pain because, you know, right now, not a single person believes that the ETF is going to get declined. And what I've learned about markets is that markets are, will always send you back to the point of max pain. So, I mean, I am a little bit worried about it, but I do think that we're in for a crazy, crazy, crazy end of year, either up or down. Hey, Rand, if you want, uh, if you want a signal that the market just went bullish, Coinbase is down. Isn't that always our signal when you can't trade on Coinbase wow. that something's this- happening in the market? Yeah. That gives me such beautiful tinglies, like the tinglies you get in the, yes. you know, like when, when, Coinbase go, when Coinbase goes down, I get butterflies in my stomach from excitement. Yeah, it's party time. Anyway, I'd love James. to hear some views. I see Garrick. Garrick yeah, uh, I, I want to know what James thinks of uh, of the that each, the ETF conjecture, the case that you sort of laid out there, obviously. James, has anything changed at all as far as like your percentage odds, what's happening, timeline? Yeah, we haven't changed our odds, but obviously the Binance DOJ thing, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it on these spaces before. That was like a left tail, like, not, it's, you can't call it a black swan because it was something that you could see coming. But like, it was something that I was just kind of like, if this is as bad as like some people really think it can be or as worst case scenario, maybe that hinders it. But for the most part, our stance has been like the SEC is backed into a corner based on some of the court decisions and all the moves we were seeing is that the SEC was gearing up to approve this. So. Um, can we go conspiracy and say this was all completely coordinated and they wanted this done before maybe, but like based on our point of view, we always, this is, we kind of, this doesn't really change our odds. We're still at 90% odds. It would take uh, basically Gensler um, just like going, uh, going a little bit insane and and denying these things as far as we're concerned, Um, which again is not out of the question. And if you did, this wasn't mentioned, but the SEC wasn't part of that finance settlement um they weren't in that presser it was every other like three four letter agency up there uh giving a speech and and gary gensler was not included in that that said we still do think it's going to happen um i Rand makes a very good point i will say this though the sec on our like it's possible the sec could get things done i know people have been saying they're going to try to get it done before christmas um Honestly, the SEC could have everything written up and ready to go and just not drop it until like a day or a couple of days before that January 10th deadline. It's way more common for the SEC to like drop these things, the disapprovals or approval letters or orders um, like a few days before that final deadline. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say like if we get to like January 9th and we haven't heard anything, that's maybe when I'd be like, OK, what the hell is going on? Um, but even then they, they, we saw multiple orders drop the day they were due, um, on the 17th, uh, this year or like last week, couple weeks, last week. 
So it's not that crazy for the SEC to wait very close to the deadline to, to issue anything. But yeah, I guess theoretically we could hear some leaks or have some other things. But all these issuers are talking to the SEC. They're really hammering out. Some of the details they're changing in these documents are very detailed, like nuanced changing of words and changing of phrases and things like that. It's all good signs that we think the SEC is um, in deep conversations with these issuers. James, have you ever seen a situation in your history of looking at ETFs where the the, uh, issuers are changing filings and changing words and filings and the ETF denied yeah uh so no um but we have seen stuff that just ultimately doesn't list there's different processes like the single security stock etfs that are out there now in the u.s there's they've been in europe for a while but there was a lot of back and forth with the issuers before they launched and ultimately they didn't launch exactly the way that people expected them but they did launch so the answer is technically speaking no but also like People don't usually pay attention this closely to changes in prospectus documents. Like we'll talk about it and like, wow, these guys have filed like 10 amendments to get this thing through. And that's kind of what happened with like those single security stocks. And ultimately, a bunch of them didn't launch. They didn't launch with as much leverage as was expected. But ultimately, they did launch. So that's kind of like what about right now with the have have you ever seen time create? Have you ever seen an ETF with even? 50% 50% of the excitement of a Bitcoin ETF. Honestly, I'm, no. I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't want you to give me the crypto bro answer. Has there <laughs> ever been an ETF in history where there has been so much rooting for an ETF to actually get approved? No, definitely. This is a one-of-one situation. And part of it is like the fact that it's been, it's, it's been over a decade that these issuers have been trying to do this. I mean, even the Winklevoss started doing it a decade ago, but even if you go to Van Eck and Valkyrie wasn't far after Van Eck, some Wisdom Tree... They've been doing this for over five years. This is not like, this is a very long time to be trying to launch something. Uh, very, very long time. So the, it's, it's the length and obviously the crypto community is pushing forward and really wants it and number go up and all that, all those things. Um, so yeah, no, the, the, short, the, the short answer is no, definitely not. JW? Yeah, I share everybody's bullishness short term. Uh, totally bullish short term, not only because of the ETF, because one of the signals of the Binance settlement is they didn't shut it down. They just want to make it compliant and all that. So I think we got a good year ahead. I'm just continuing to be worried on the near term because I'm a five to 10 year hodler of projects I really believe in. And there's a lot of risk I see on that term. One thing is what's going to happen post ETF with the institutionalization of Bitcoin? Which way does that go? Does Bitcoin become tame? Does it become total compliant? Every miner is compliant with what every single agency in the U.S. dreams they need to, they need to exclude and blacklist. Uh, is that the way this goes? BlackRock alone can't do that, but mining centralization and compliance can do that. And uh, yeah, but, Biden, but on that, is- but on that point, sorry, just to interrupt you before we move on to the next point. Does that really matter when it comes to price, or is that more from an ideological concern? it's ideology and it also goes to what's the long-term value of bitcoin if we can't remain uncensorable decentralized and then you might as well just use paypal and 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 apple pay uh that that, that's my fear over the long term bitcoin could always be a store of value uh in a compliant black rock kind of cage uh but it won't it won't uh, develop as a payment system and the others won't develop either but you know one good thing of if a bitcoin etf gets approved hopefully that's precedent for an ethereum etf or a solana etf for now, JW yeah, sorry. Uh, hope, hope you're not breaking up, JW. No, you're, you're there. You're there. Uh, JW, you're, uh, okay. sorry, Scott, you're breaking up. Yeah, go ahead, man. 
Good, good, good. So the other thing, the other thing I'm I'm looking at is you know so much of the future yeah, I mean, of crypto is really a referendum on the future. Is that is just you, man? Let me uh, uh, host. Can you please just remove Scott and ban him? Uh, go ahead to JW. Yeah, just last point. Um, uh, a lot of the future of crypto is going to be the uh, uh, a referendum on the future of the American political outcome in, in the election, just because the U.S. exerts its power around the world so much, and we have so many bad things coming. It's not only the threat of Gensler and what Gensler will do in the future. It's the threat of the IRS reporting rule, which is really bad. Basically, the, 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 you know, we talked about it before. Basically, everybody who creates a wallet has to suddenly KYC everybody who uses their wallet, which is crazy. Um, uh, so you can't have four more years of Biden. On that news, by the way, JW, I'm not sure if you're aware. Let me open it up. But there's a wallet. Uh, there is the, the, I don't know what it's called, the, the Lightning Wallet, the Bitcoin Lightning Wallet that quit the U.S. market today. Um, what Satoshi is Lightning Wallet, something. Satoshi, yeah, 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 yeah wallet, exactly, exactly. Satoshi, it's called Wallet. Wallet is Satoshi, yeah, Wallet. Is, so they need to comply with, yeah. So they said uh, we're leaving. We're hopeful that future developments, blah blah blah. But Wallet or Satoshi needs to comply with local regulations or laws in ways that it can or does not want to. Probably, I, I'd, I'd be opting to cannot right now. And we're hopeful that future developments will allow to revisit and possibly resume our operations in the U.S. Joe, have you looked into this? Uh, can you give us a bit more clarity what, why they've left the market? No, I, and, I, I, I only know that it's been taken offline. I was going to go back to the ETF discussion. But go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, move on to the ETF. Well, I, I just had a question for James. Uh, you know, obviously, the, the first, the, the final deadline for the ARC 21 is the 10th, and that's the one everyone's going off of. And I think Rand said something earlier about how. You know, they can't delay it any further. The majority of the final, all the other final deadlines are in March, I believe. So the, the question I was actually talking about with the, with the ARC uh, is what, what should we should read from the change that we got a few days ago where ARC uh, updated, I think, their S1 to indicate they will no longer provide direct exposure to Bitcoin, spot Bitcoin uh, with that ETF that comes on the 10th. I mean, are we to read that they're going to be um, messing around with derivatives, uh, futures, in addition to a basket of spot? Uh, so it won't be fully direct. And is that sort of a, a tacit indication that the SEC does not want a fully spot ETF in, in terms of what they're going to they're going to green light? Yeah. So that th those conversations, the ETFs that we're talking about here, they will all be fully backed by spot. Now, the part that is up for debate, the SEC seems to not want basically these brokers and banks touching Bitcoin itself, which obviously we know with SAB 121. And one of the ways around that is to do cash creates. Um, but no matter what, at the end of the day, this matters more. This does matter for end investors. There are some tax inefficiencies that could happen if they don't do in-kind. So the way to think about an ETF, usually you do in-kind transactions. Basically, the market maker hands the AP Bitcoin and in return, they get shares of the ETF. Or in, in for, so that's the way it's supposed to work. That's, there's not, that's not a taxable situation because you're trading shares for an asset. Or in the case of an equity ETF, you're trading equity shares for shares in an ETF. So that's a non-taxable event. Um, there's a possibility, depending on how they structure these, the SEC doesn't. It seems to be trying to push issuers away from that in-kind transaction. But we've seen updates from BlackRock, um, Arc, and Grayscale that they are willing to fight and push for the ability to do in-kind transactions. So there's. So that's like nitty gritty nuance type, like, yeah, this might affect some of the way the ETFs are used. The spreads might be a tiny bit wider if they're not allowed to do the full in-kind transactions. Um, but this is all like plumbing back end. Like the fact that we're even talking about this and the SEC is at this level of detail with these issuers is something that if you told me six months ago that they were debating this and arguing over this, 
I would have said, wow, that's a very good sign that we could see an ETF. So it's just, this is all more like backend plumbing, like stuff behind the scenes no, no, that I, most I, people I, never I, care about. Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the, 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 the in-kind versus cash. The, the, in the update that was issued, I think it was on the 20th. I'm reading from right here. This is from the ARC 21 shares. The trust does not provide investors with direct exposure to Bitcoin. An investment of trust is not a direct investment in Bitcoin. That was an amendment that was made. So I'm, I'm wondering if you have any comment on that. Yeah, I, I, have no, no, I don't have any comment on that. I didn't notice that amendment, but I have a feeling that that's probably something that the SEC made sure that they wanted people to put in there. It might be, um, there, there's some talk right now, some of the other thing we've heard is like, the SEC doesn't want this Bitcoin being able to take out, be basically be directly delivered to somebody's wallet. So maybe that's it. But I mean, at the end well, of the day, the, these trusts are going to hold the, the spot Bitcoin. So like, yeah, so we are going I'm, to have direct exposure. Yeah, on the 11th, they had their filing said the trust does seek to provide direct exposure to Bitcoin. And this was a change we got on the 20th. So just, you know, four, four or so days ago. So they're updating the language to indicate they're not going to provide direct exposure. I, I would read that just my interpretation. I, I could be totally wrong in this. They're going to mix the spot exposure with some type of derivative exposure. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. No, I think that's not going to happen. I mean, if they swap, the, the, we already have the derivative type exposures. It could be possible that basically parts of this, be, if, the, if they're forced to do different types of transactions or creations, like it'll be like 89% spot Bitcoin exposure, um, something along those lines. But for the most part, this is going to be a spot Bitcoin ETF. So like a lot of the stuff, a lot of these like, um, disclo you know this, a lot of the disclosures are just like, CYA, like they're, they're covering their own asses in case like something in, in, in tail, tail type events, they don't have 100% exposure, I'm guessing. But I, I wouldn't read too much into that personally. Gotcha. Yeah, just so you know, I posted what I was talking about in the, the nest. We asked this, Gareth, have we asked you about your thoughts on the market right now from a technical perspective? Uh, from a technical perspective, hey, how's it going, guys? Um, so key, the key things are this, right, is that right now Bitcoin still on a technical basis is just peaking above that 38,000 level. And that's a big level, right? There's there's this essential, essentially a, a wedge pattern that we've been trading between 38,000 and about 36,000. And, and right now we're in the process of potentially breaking out on Bitcoin. So Again, if it breaks out and it holds, so let's say the key is going to be watching the daily close today. Does it stay above 38,000? If it does, you have some decent upside here. I, I, I'm still in the camp, believe it or not, that with the approval of the spot ETF, we could go as high as 48,000 on this chart. That's the next major, you know, 48 to 50 is like an epic level of resistance, but it is possible we get up there. And is it possible that the market responds in a very different way? I know anything's possible, but your, your thoughts on that possibility? Yeah, my, my expectation is the approval is kind of that huge pop that then look for selling to come in on, right? So so that probably would mark a short-term top. And remember, historically, you know, ET, the ETF that was for the futures, that marked a top in the market. We've seen a lot of these type of exciting events cause these huge pops and then that's the short-term top and then essentially what you have is people that are getting their money back that bought in in at the 50-ish range and and thereabouts they say okay listen you know i i i hated being down when it was down at 15k now i'm going to take it off the table so you create a lot of sellers that are just kind of waiting around to unload and i i think that that creates what we would call consolidation or distribution where it just takes some time to work that off until Bitcoin can go higher. So so I would actually expect that upon approval, it puts in a short-term top and then it has to work it off for a little bit. And uh
I lost Mario, but I'm not sure if it's me once again. Yeah, I lost him too. Is it better now? Yeah, yes. you're nothing. Yeah, you were dead. You were dead air there. For oh, like 15 I was, seconds. I was, I was, I was muted again. That stupid headset that I have. So, so the question is about altcoins. So, can anyone, uh, Patrick, Gareth, JW, anyone give us some thoughts on what that means for altcoins? And then, second question, I'll go to James and Jacqueline on. Um, the, I'm not sure if you guys mentioned it, but the likelihood of an ETF getting approved on the 10th. Um, and then, what you think happens if it doesn't? What that means for the markets? Um, you know, I'll just give my two cents real. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll just. I was just going to jump in and give my two cents real quick. So, so for me, it looks like all coins have had a majority of their run already. And I think that any sort of approval of an ETF probably draws more money towards Bitcoin. So uh, it's not to say you can't get some pops on some of these all coins, but a lot of them have run precipitously compared to Bitcoin in terms of percentage wise. And I would actually expect the all coins to underperform once that ETF gets approval. Scott, Patrick, JW. Yeah, I'm I'm bullish on uh, on DeFi and altcoins associated with DeFi. I mean, look at the level of volume going through ThorSwap right now, which they have a Bitcoin, a number of Bitcoin pairs. Uh, they're catching up to Uniswap. So Uniswap, PancakeSwap, SushiSwap, ThorSwap, um, it, 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 as a result of the crackdown on Binance, on Coinbase, uh, on Kraken now uh, this week. We haven't even talked about Kraken yet. Uh, these DeFi uh, uh, exchanges are, are I'm bullish on them looking forward. Have they have they reacted uh, positively to the cracking news, or they've been pretty mute? They've uh, well, ThorSwap has been exploding just generally. I don't know if that's related to the news, but uh, I think volumes are up over the last month. And how about token price? How's Uniswap? Uh, well, Uniswap's hard to do because it's kind of a useless coin. It's uh, it doesn't it doesn't get a share of the fees, and they're not going to turn that on anytime soon. So, Patrick, More just been talking coins. about DeFi. Your yeah, thoughts, yeah, Patrick? I was going to add in um, Uniswap. Uh, despite being useless, is actually up 25% this week. So one of the best performers oh, wow. in the top 100 on the back of the Binance. Uh, but if you look at DeFi on-chain stats, uh, sort of to what Scott was saying about about a uh, reset to pre-Luna levels, um, this week volume, except for the USDC uh, uh, temporary DPEG week, which is an outlier, this week is pretty much the best week since since the Terra collapse in terms of on-chain volume. And if you look at Look at uh, Thorchain volume. There was actually a day where it was over 2% of all BTC ETH swaps. Uh, so you, there's a lot of positive signs that a lot of activity is starting to move towards. How, uh, so when you say move towards DeFi, how, then how are the outflows on CeFi? They must have dropped if there's a move towards DeFi. Uh, well, in this case, talking more about, more about volume, uh, because historically DeFi, uh, despite having a lot of total value locked, has been very very small minority of of actual trade volume does any does anyone know the the outflows on these sectors uh, at all no one's looked at it i, I know there's know. been a, a fair bit of outflow been... from uh, well i think there was an i think there was an outflow from binance but i could be right i thought i read it somewhere but there was a reported billion but then actually when you dug in it it was very minimal yeah but i'm looking had... at it now it's about one 1.7 billion outflows in the past week from binance past uh, but week that's, okay over the past week, yeah, but uh, what's the, what, at a sixty-nine billion verified on-chain assets, so it's pretty minimal in percent. Do you remember what they? Do you remember what they were back in the uh, FTX collapse days? I could tell you in in a second. Yeah, please do check, Scott. Do you remember? 
I want to try to compare. I don't. Uh, I don't about 11 billion. Uh, about 11 billion. 11 billion. All right, cool. That, that makes uh, what happened now pretty Yeah, the, you're asking about the outflows. I thought you were talking about their total uh, versus the 69 or whatever the number was that they had. But yeah. No, no, no. Just what the, outf- just what the outflows were back then. Over 10 billion. One last and question. At the same on time, Patrick, at the same time check- I think, by the way, uh, Mario Tether like redeemed 7 billion in 48 hours at that same time as well. Just since those are the two, they're kind of funded the most. They've always sustained whatever outflows were uh, they were faced with. Hmm. How does that? Uh, do you compare that outflow tether outflow compared to previous outflows since FTX? I don't know. I think Tether's only been up now. I think Tether's only been uh, has been up only now since the uh, USDC uh, Silicon Valley situation. They've only captured more what happened? share and continue what, to rise. What happened to PYUSD, but PayPal stablecoin? Is it? Gaining, uh, gaining market share was just pretty sitting pretty stagnant. I've heard literally nothing about it since it was originally stagnant. launched. I think it's marginal. Yeah, yeah. Patrick just said it's stagnant. It, it oh, been, shit. That, that's pretty – uh, I wish Rand was here because I know Rand said that this was at the time was the biggest news of the year. And I almost agreed. I can't remember what I thought was the biggest news, but that was up there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty surprising that it's stagnant. I don't know why. Why would it, hold on, that's received a subpoena about about that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how serious that is, but I'm just trying to think like why wouldn't it gain market share if, if there's so much fud around a, a circle and and tether? Because I think like, people who actually use stable coins uh, don't give a shit about the fud around tether. You know, uh, and I, so I, I don't think there's like a huge market of people waiting for what they view as a safer stable coin at the moment. And I, I also don't Do think, you think PayPal has done much more than, uh, you know, the initial uh, start of getting this thing launched. So I, I just don't think it's even yep. been in the market long enough or is established anywhere mm-hmm. enough that uh, people would pay attention. To me, to me, that's the only thing left, in my opinion, that could uh, that could hold off a bull market starting from now. Uh, but Joe, do you have any concerns? I think, ETF re- I think the ETF rejection would. I think the ETF rejection is is bigger than. But what's anything. the what did the, James? What's your what's your what's your likelihood of a, of, a, of an approval sitting at 70, 80 on the tenth? Uh, we're 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 still at ninety percent by January oh, by January tenth. So we we've been there since uh, October. Um, early. But October, has it, did it, first- why didn't it? Why didn't it increase with Binance though? Uh, we haven't moved it because because Binance was a tail risk event in our mind, and I didn't think it needed to. Ha- I know a lot of people said nothing's going to happen. People have been saying nothing's going to happen until Tether and Binance are cleared off the board on the ETF front. It's not um, related. It's not related. It has no effect. Yeah, in my opinion. No, but it's, yeah. the, the only relation I could see, not direct legal relation, but the only relation I could see is the stance, the government stance, the DOJ stance when it comes to crypto, and yeah, after Binance, DOJ, the kind of the stance. DOJ doesn't control the SEC. That's not right. Okay. Um, yeah, it, so your it, thoughts- it was like a. I viewed it as like a, a super tail risk event. If so, if if there was definitely found fraud and manipulation, hard like definitive like evidence that finance was manipulating the market, then yeah, we could have seen an ETF denied potentially. I didn't think that was going to happen personally, so it was like very tail risk. It was kind of baked into our ten percent, but our ten percent that ten percent denial chance was mm-hmm. more like the fact that the S- the SEC, Gary Gensler, Elizabeth Warren. Could do what will do whatever they possibly can to possibly find a way to deny this, even if it's not legally credible or binding Heavily, or, or whatever. But you. Mario, Mario, you got you yeah, have sure. to understand the the basis for the denial. The basis for the denial of the spot ETF, the conversion really from GBTC to a spot ETF, was never about 
preventing fraud and manipulation. The SEC's own lawyers argued that. They basically said, listen, there's fraud and manipulation in every market. Very traditional, the developed markets, there is fraud and manipulation there. What the SEC is primarily concerned about is the ability to detect and monitor fraud and manipulation. They want to have surveillance sharing agreements in place so that they can actually determine whether there is whether there is monitor, whether there is fraud, because they can come in after the fact and they can police it. Okay. So yeah. if you take that from the argument they raised in the Grayscale case. And in the Grayscale case, they had this, you know, flawed argument where well, because there's surveillance sharing agreements with the CME, that means the futures market can have an ETF, but the spot market can't. And the appellate court said that's arbitrary and capricious if you're, you're, because there's a 99% correlation between spot and futures. They're linked symbiotically. So because of that, the, the SEC, once they lose on that argument, I don't see how they can get around an eventual approval unless they're going to go back and revisit the futures application, which was possible, but seemed to be very unlikely. Uh, so you know, regardless of whether there was discovered that there's actual manipulation or fraud by Binance, it's really irrelevant. What, what they're basically saying is, look, if you think there's enough for the futures market, it's logically inconsistent for there not to be enough surveillance sharing for the, for the spot. So the, the next question, probably the most important question I have for you, Joe, Jacqueline and, and James and anyone else who wants to take this one. Uh, before asking you, just quickly for the audience, uh, I forgot to mention it's been a while. And uh, we do have a deal with, with the Sendex. So anyone that wants to list their project, well, we've worked months to get that deal done. Uh, make sure DM me or DM Rand. Scott doesn't want to. Um, and we could help you get listed there considering the market is improving. Um, and there's a whole package involved, including marketing, coming on the shows, et cetera. So make sure you DM us for that. Um, and another thing as well, I want to go through the comments to see what everyone thinks regarding the two things, the likelihood of an ETF approval, three things, likelihood of an ETF approval, what the, how the market will respond. And then number three is Tether. And that, that's a question for you, Joe, James, and Jacqueline, is um, your thoughts on Tether. Um, it, could that be the last domino or that, that ship has sailed and, and Tether, we can call it almost a safe bet? I can go first. I'll say I don't think I don't think gotcha. Tether needs to be. Um, I, I don't like I said. I didn't even think Binance needed to be taken care of before an ETF was approved. Um, so, like I, I obviously, I'm not going to sit up here. I'm not going to be some one of those people that completely defends Tether. I'm also not going to be attack it too too much. Uh, they obviously did some sketchy things in the past. Um, so, but yeah, I don't think I don't think it's required. The the, the grayscale court case, as Joe Joe said, basically. The, the SEC is kind of backed into a corner here is at, at the end of the day. Um, we changed our odds because the SEC, a new division, started talking with these issuers. And it, it, that was a step that had never occurred in the prior decade. So obviously, I've said, oh, we think it's going to happen by January 10th. We're very publicly vocal about those views over the last few years. Um, as far as what happens, um, I think our, our general guess right now is basically that we could see a couple hundred million flow in like in the first week. Uh, maybe a billion potentially, but probably probably not based on what we saw with some of the other demand for some other crypto ETF product launches recently, namely Ether Futures. Uh, but th th what this more so does is basically solidifies the regulatory framework around Bitcoin a little bit more for sure. And we know for a fact, based on plenty of surveys, that advisors are worried about the regulatory framework. We know for a fact that advisors, if they want to invest in uh, into crypto, they want to do it via a spot ETF. Um, and there's trillions there. Um, so I think over the long term, these advisors that are looking to allocate one, three, five percent of a subset of their clients' accounts, they're not going to do it on day one or week one. Uh, they're not going to pile in immediately. They're going to take time. They're going to look and see the differences between all these ETFs when they come out, which we can't know yet. 
Uh, and they're going to take time and allocate over the years or over a year going forward. It's not going to be like some immediate, like 20 billion is going to flow into these products. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that would be my caution on the, about what's going to happen with these ETFs. Like I said, I do think there will be some immediate interest. I think it will take uh, interest and volume and flows away from things like um, Bido and some international crypto ETFs, potentially micro strategy, things like that. Um, but for the most part, it's more about the long-term impact of the SEC basically accepting Bitcoin ETFs and just the way that they're going to handle um, crypto as a regulatory framework for Bitcoin specifically going forward. Yeah, and I'd like to go to Joe and Jack. <clears throat> Sorry. The coheds go, it's fine. I was just going to say, it'll take time, but Bitto is going to zero, right? The futures products die. Uh, you'd, you'd, be when surprised. These you'd be surprised. I, so I don't think, I think all the other ones. Gold futures went to zero effectively. I'd say it'd take a long time, but I think all of that eventually flows to the spot ETF. Yeah. Also, the point the about RIAs, I think the more cynical view of what you're saying about RIAs and not recommending right now and they're waiting for a product is because they can make money. An RIA doesn't make money 100%. by telling someone to go buy Bitcoin on, on Coinbase. They make money by being the one who facilitates the purchase of the BlackRock ETF, and then they get their percentage of recommending you put your money into it. Correct. Exactly. They can bring it under their umbrella and charge a fee on it, which is which is which is, is it, I, that's part of the reason why we think advisors are going to even if some advisors don't want to hold this stuff. Um, that, that aspect alone, particularly if they have clients who already hold this in their own personal accounts, separate from them outside of their fee umbrella, they're going to be pitch it and be like, look, I can rebalance for you. Like I already do with your stocks and bonds and whatever on a quarterly basis, I'll do the same thing with your crypto and keep you certain allocations that, that that's what the pitch is going to be. Um, and we know for a fact that advisors, they want to use ETF and there's plenty of other people that will use ETFs. There's plenty of other situations, uh, tax deferred accounts. is going to be the easiest way to do it for most people in their IRAs and things like that. There's, there's just a lot of people that will be able to access this in a more efficient manner than is currently available. There are ways around this right now. Um, it's just that this is going to be the most efficient way to do it in, in my view and in, in our view. Yeah, let's get uh, Jacqueline and, and Joe's thoughts uh, on this particular point. And, and one point I want to mention that James mentioned is that, uh, you know, Tether did some wrong things in the past. But isn't that the same argument we, we used to make for Binance? You know, Binance did some wrong things in the past. Uh, you know, they've kind of cleaned chops since. Uh, so why would Tether be treated differently if, you're, uh, if your assumption, which I agree with, if your assumption is true, James? Maybe we'll go to Joe to get his thoughts on, on this particular question. And Jacqueline. Sure, I'll, I'll go first really briefly. So um, I think you should look at DOJ enforcement actions against Binance and potential other actions against Tether if they are to come uh, as completely independent and separate from any sort of uh, decision-making on the spot ETF. I don't think the SEC cares at all what comes down the pipe from that, that you know, uh, from an enforcement standpoint. I think they're looking at this thing based on primarily the, how do they react after the grayscale ruling, which was a disaster for the SEC. Um, obviously, you know, exactly the opposite of what they hoped. And I think it forced their hand in sort of eventually, you know, transitioning. The only question is when, where, how, those sorts of details. Um, but, you know, from, from a tether standpoint, you know, you, you do have to say that there, there is a high likelihood, I think, at some point you get further action. And it's a very simple reason. Um, the, the, the DOJ has basically thrown down the gauntlet and said, listen, if you're aiding and abetting the unlawful uh, a transfer of money, if you're aiding and abetting money, uh, money laundering, or, you know, consorting with uh, bad actors, terrorists like Iran and Hamas, which is always the boogeyman they throw out. 
you can expect a knock at your door and you can expect investigations to continue. Um, so if there's any truth out there to rumors that, you know, you're, you're, you're laundering through Tether, which is interacting with U.S. case customers through major exchanges like Coinbase, there's no real reason why there shouldn't be an investigation and potential prosecution of those entities at some point down the line. Is it going to happen now, six months from now, two years from now? I don't know. And I'm not going to guess. But I will tell you, it is. I think it's interesting that you had the Cynthia Loomis uh, a letter where she was encouraging the DOJ uh, to conclude its investigation of Binance. And she specifically mentioned Tether as well, um, which leads me to believe that she's pressing on the same sort of button for Tether, um, that there is an active investigation out there at some point into uh, Ifinex, you know, the, the parent company of, of, of Tether, and that there's going to be some action at some point in the future. Uh, now, DOJ can move very, very slowly. Uh, but I, I think it, it'd be uh, people would be remiss if they think there's not going to be at least some investigation into what's going on there and, and potentially enforcement action in the future.